The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King, Cameron Colley and Alec Doughty. Thank you very much. Welcome along to episode 139 of The Boys of Tech for Monday, the 24th of October 2011. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm a little bit under the weather at the moment, but hey, the show goes on. And helping me out this week is Alec Doughty. Welcome along, Al. Hey, how are you doing this week? Well, you know, apart from... Under the weather, apparently. uh, Yeah, that's right, you know. I've got a cold and an ear infection. And uh, in fact, wow. all, all, all of those international germs flooding in into New Zealand for the World Cup couldn't have helped. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's probably it too, isn't it? But yeah, I went to the to the uh, after hours doctor on Saturday because I was just in absolute agony, mm-hmm. and uh, he, <laughs> I told him my symptoms. We went through the whole thing, and yeah, here's some antibiotics. And then I, I said to him, "Look, I, I've got some radio work to do. Is that going to be a problem? Is that going to affect you know my?" My ear infection, is it going to worsen it? Or, or, And he said, no, no, but, but what sort of radio work is it? And I said, oh, well, I, I host a podcast. And he was more interested in that than my, <laughs> <laughs> my diagnosis. And he said, uh, no, you should be fine, but you might find that it's a bit sort of unbalanced, perhaps a, a little muffled on the left, so you might find that it's a bit louder on the left when you, when you edit it. <laughs> and he had a good laugh to himself. I wasn't laughing too much because I was still in agony. <laughs> Uh, but there you go. Nothing like a doctor with a sense of humour, I suppose, looking absolutely, back. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, there's a few stories this week. I want to kick off with MC Hammer's Wiredo search engine, apparently. Yes. Yeah, What's so, with uh, that? I, the first I, I heard of this. I think he's been smoking a doobie. <laughs> you got to wonder. The first I heard about this was uh, a few days ago only. Yeah, apparently he's got a, a new internet search engine that will be bigger than Google, and he says that... One of the reasons why it's going to be bigger is that it's not just about keywords. There's some other magic in the mix that will help make this a bigger search engine than Google. Yeah, that I, I think what what he's talking about there is relationships. So he's he's got a whole social bent in his mindset going on here. I, I think he's actually uh, talking about what Facebook calls your uh, oh, what what do they call it your your social graph. So it ties into what are your friends searching? What are all your Twitter contacts looking at at the moment and searching for? And and, and that sort of pushes it up, filters it up. And this is something that both Facebook and Google are, are looking at as well. I mean, that concept is the whole reason that Google Plus actually exists to help Google build that social graph to enhance their search results like this. I'm just surprised that the, you know, I guess the the level of enthusiasm and optimism, I guess I could even say that he has in this. And now I'm not saying it's going to fail, but I guess on the other hand, you, I mean, if you're going to promote something, hey, you you, you say that it's as good as, as you Absolutely. can say it is. Absolutely. You so, get like, up on you, your soapbox and you, do, and you, you beat do. your drum. Now, it's called Wiredo, Wire and uh, do spell D-O-O, wiredo.com. I've signed up for the uh, beta testing for that. Oh, nice work. So I'm going to definitely check it out. Uh, you know, I remember when, do you remember when Cool came along, C-U-I-L? I do. Now, that was 
terrible. Do you remember Muta? No, I don't remember Muta. M O T E R um, was an actually Australian based. Oh, I think you mentioned this once before on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah that um, did contextual search before Google even. The power of relevance was their tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was so, that, was that any good in the end? Actually, it it was. It was pretty good, but it just didn't have the legs and the funding really. So it was a comparable product to Google in in its early days. Not Google in its early days, in Mooter in its early days. Um, But Google kind of caught up a little bit. And, of course, was so big anyway that... uh, Yeah, basically bulldozed them. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Caught up is probably the wrong word as well. Because, I mean, yeah, that that implies that Google were actually behind at any point. (laughs) Which is not the case. Google have had a very good algorithm right from the get-go. They have, they have. I like it. I like it very much. Now, a few weeks ago, we lost Steve Jobs. We've also lost now, this week, another pioneer in computers. Dennis Ritchie. Dennis Ritchie, yes, absolutely. The guy who invented the C programming language. And Unix. Oh, that's right. He contributed to Unix as well. Indeed, he w- he was one of the one of the main contributors to Unix as well as the C programming language. So he had as much impact to the computer society that we live in today than as as Jobs did. Um, Jobs was just a lot more flashy, a, a lot more sort of uh, consumer orientated, but. A, a lot of the infrastructure that we actually use and rely on today is all Dennis Ritchie. Oh, exactly. And in fact, the whole Mac for a start uh, is is based on BSD, which is a Unix-like operating system. It's mm-hmm. the, the whole language behind all that is That's C right. or based on C. Yep. So it, just that in itself kind of ties the two together quite nicely. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, you know, there's a lot that, that C has contributed to the programming language C that people don't realise. Uh, one example is the world's most popular web scripting language, PHP, is written in C for a start. And there's Absolutely. lots more. I'm just giving yeah. you one example that people yeah. might sort of, you know, uh, I, I guess identify with. But there's a lot more. The whole structure of languages, uh, there are a lot of languages that are based around the C format. Yeah. So you're right. He's, and like, like you say, his contributions to Unix, of course, well, where would we be without Unix? Absolutely. The, Unix was the first um, multi-threaded operating system, multitasking operating system be, before Windows or Mac. Yeah, and like you say, I think uh, you know he's uh, he has contributed as much, if not more, than Jobs has. But of course, it's all sort of behind the scenes stuff. You don't sort of get you don't know. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I I don't think I could have recalled the name was Dennis Ritchie. I might have heard it once before, but I wouldn't have recalled that. No, it's certainly not front of mind, and and I only remembered who he was when I heard the news of his passing. I used to own a Dennis Ritchie textbook for programming in oh, C. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So you've coded in C, obviously. Indeed, indeed. When I was uh, at university, Malik and Free. Um, they jumped apparently, to yeah. A, to a lot of the syntax I've forgotten. Lost. I just remember having to allocate yeah. memory all the time. You know, it's yeah. very quite low level, isn't it? Very, very. In fact, I still, I still write a little bit in C. In fact, uh, I'll just give my one of my products a free plug here. PHP Shadow is a is a product I've written for encrypting PHP, and that's all written in C. Oh, cool! Mm. A lot of memory allocation and freeing up. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, that, of, that's the key. You know, yeah, <laughs> the, the freeing the, it's up. It's not the allocation; it's the freeing up, yeah, which exactly. makes, makes the robust 
applications that don't leak memory all over the place. Totally, totally. Now, how about this new ball camera? Have you heard about this? Yes, I've seen the video. It's awesome. Right, so just for our listeners, in case you haven't heard what it is, it's this uh, relatively new 3D camera that's effectively in the shape of a ball. In fact, it is a ball with a whole heap of individual, I think 32 little cameras in built in all directions. Yep. The idea is you throw this thing up in the air and when it's up at the apex, it takes a snapshot, a 3D, if you like, snapshot, and uh, uh, you catch it again, obviously. <laughs> get your, get your image out just... and through some proprietary software, you can view a sort of 3D uh, visualization of that image. Absolutely. So basically what happens is it's it's got a, um, I think it's a gyroscope inside so it can actually work out where the apex of the throw is and at its highest point, it takes a snapshot, all 32 of the cameras snap all at once and every, I mean, therefore every shot that you take is, is going to have the person throwing the ball with their arms up in the air, looking up at the ball. So uh, it's going to become a new thing. It is. It, you know, I'm actually quite keen on one, but I haven't. Have you seen pricing for this? No, I haven't. I so want one, though. Yeah, because I haven't seen pricing, but I'd, I'd love one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing it's quite expensive given it's uh, relatively new to market. New to market, but also it needs to be fairly robust because it's got to be able to survive actually landing by itself and not being caught. Yeah, I bet that happens a bit. I'm sure it yeah. will, if not already. Yeah. So I think it's going to become a, a, a bit of a game to, to see what position the thrower can actually get themselves into by the time it actually hits it, hits the apex. Because the thrower only has a certain couple of seconds before it hits the top of the arc, takes the picture, and what position is the thrower actually going to be in at that time? Because it's a, a full 360 panoramic picture, it, the, the thrower is always going to be in the shot. What would be really cool is if you and a friend were across different sides of a chasm and you threw the ball across that chasm. I had thought of that. Or from, be, from the top of the Eiffel Tower or something. Yeah, or rooftop to rooftop. Yeah. That would be cool. Or if you really don't mind it getting destroyed, as you say, you could throw it off the Eiffel Tower and, and not catch it. If you were going to do that, you'd want it to actually wirelessly beam the, the image before it hits the ground. Cause you, you, don't think, want you think the SD thing. card would be... Yeah. Yeah, it might be hard to, hard to locate. <laughs> yeah. But actually, the thing is, you could actually just have it on a string, I suppose. Yeah, tether it. Yeah, tether it. Gosh, there's so much you could do with this thing. I'd actually like to thank Mike, one of our listeners, for uh, bringing that story to our attention. I'm not sure where you're from, Mike, but uh, that, thank, you, thank wow. you for sending that in. Oh, awesome. So that, that was a bit of a listener participation, was it? It was. It was. Excellent it's good to work. Have. Yeah. Excellent work. So actually- Very the, cool toy, too. Oh, very cool. I'd love to get my hands on one. And even better still, I'd love to throw one up in the air. I think I'm going to get my hands on one. No guarantee on when, but I'm going to have one. Right, well, I'll be over at your place when that happens. All right, now, in Germany, a minister has called for the probe of state use of spyware. Now, I don't want to get into the story, the details of this particular story, but the angle I wanted to take on this was, I think you've got to be naive in this day and age to think that governments would not employ spyware technology to spy. Absolutely. It's a bit surprising, though, that it's actually Germany, considering all of the Fuhrer, no pun intended, that's been going on about Google and the Wi-Fi sniffing and the capturing of data other than the, the location, the GPS location and that sort of stuff of 
of Wi-Fi spots and for them to, for, for the German government to, after all of that, to then go and do something like this, that surprises me. It yeah, doesn't surprise me that a government, that any old government will do it. Every government does it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having said this, this is a, a tool used against alleged criminals or suspected criminals. It's, it's, not, it's a little bit different in the, in the sense that it's not, they're not just, well, as far as we know, they're not just going out and collecting random bits of information. They're actually targeting who, who they think are criminals to gather evidence. But yeah, it's like you say, I mean, there's, Germany in particular has some very tough anti-spy laws which don't preclude the government. But, you know, like I say, in this day and age, assume that the government can and will use spyware if needed. Yeah, particularly if they have just cause. If they're investigating a criminal ring or suspected terrorists or that sort of stuff. Yeah, so if you're a terrorist and listening to the show... <laughs> yeah, that, well, that too. I was going to say, if you're a terrorist listening to the show, you might want to take, uh, take heed of that. If you're a terrorist downloading... Illegal movies, then you're in double trouble. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They will catch you. Now, keeping this international for a little bit, in Bangladesh they've announced some uh, low-cost laptops. Dole is the brand name, D-O-E-L, and they're priced at only 130 US dollars. The idea is, of course, in Bangladesh, where it's a relatively poor country, the idea is to create a, a digital Bangladesh, a an environment where... Technology is more affordable for those who can't normally afford it. And, I mean, this is a, a great thing for those developing markets. But even over there, $130 is, is the equivalent of like a week's wages. That's so, the thing. It's still a lot yeah, of money. But- it's, it's still a lot of money. But it's bringing it into the realm of possibility for them where previously it, it just wasn't even thinkable. Well, that's right. I mean, there'll be a tier now. There's a, there's a tier in the popu- in the Bangladeshi population that can afford this. Yes, that previously couldn't. So, yeah. like you and, say, it's not everyone. Lower, but so, so socioeconomically than, than previously. Correct. It was so, really so, just the wealthy, like the, extremely the, the wealthy, one yeah. percent of the population, the, the same people that could actually afford cars. Yeah, exactly. We sing more and more of these sorts of stories. Some of them actually seem to be vaporware and, and never actually materialise. I think these, I think these have actually been produced. I think already. I think the first Indeed, run's been I done. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're on sale. So this is good stuff, and uh, you know they're not the obviously uh-huh. you don't get a lot for one hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, and you it's get only something. running Android. It's running Android. That's right. So you don't have the uh, cost of the Microsoft tax in there or the yep. Apple tax. I suppose you could say for hey, that. It's, for that it's Android, so it's probably got an Android a Microsoft tax anyway. You yeah. think they're paying for the uh, patents Licensing. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. But not as much as buying the operating system itself. No, that's true. Yeah. All right, now I was hoping for the next story. You can tell me what a Mikey card is, because we've got a story here about Mikey cards being cloned. They've now been hacked. This is, I think, something that's in Australia. It's, I believe, a mm. a uh, an RFID proximity card that's used on public transport. Is that correct? Possibly that might be in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, oh, it's not we, in Brisbane. We use, no, we use something called the Go Card in Brisbane. The Go which Card, is, which yeah, yeah, which is just like near field communication RFID technology. I'm not sure which is which. I think it's actually near field communication where you touch on, touch off. Okay, so, so we got a similar system here in Wellington, New Zealand, as well. Yeah. 
So it looks like Mikey is the uh, similar thing. It's, you're right, actually, it's a Victoria. So uh, basically Melbourne and yeah, other, yeah. Other, other towns, I suppose. You don't have other cities in Melbourne, in Victoria, do you? Yeah, there's plenty. Are there cities? Or, yeah. ju- or just towns? Oh, Canberra. Uh, no, no, no Cam- Canberra's Cam- ACT. Cam- Canberra's, yeah, it's Canberra's a- ACT. Yeah. But no, there's plenty of cities. They're not all large, but Can you name, name me another city other than Ballarat. Melbourne and Victoria? Ballarat. Ballarat. Is that a city? Yeah. All right. So what we, we we got off track there. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, the Mikey cards. Yeah. So apparently they've been hacked in such a way that they can be cloned, which now means that the company that issues them has to think about whether they need to reissue all the cards again with, you know, different technology or whether they can contain this in some way. I think this is just one of many stories recently uh, like this. I, I think we've we've had, uh, what were the other ones that were hacked? What was the big one that was hacked in the... Was it in the New York system or was it the so some American subway system? My memory fails me. I think we covered no, it briefly. Well, I don't think I heard about that one. Right, I think it was some some university students. I think we covered this briefly on one of the shows. Ah, uh, in any event, it just shows you that uh, whenever someone brings out a new technology and says this is secure, don't believe them. It's only a matter well, of time. That's just like waving a red flag at a bull. Hack me. Yeah, yeah. Get, come and get me, exactly. Yeah, painting a big target on your back. Yeah, exactly. Now let's talk about Sony because they've suffered another attack, another hack another on the PlayStation one. Network. 93,000 accounts temporarily compromised. So what it means is Sony reset the passwords on all of them. So someone has it in for Sony. They, uh, or maybe they're just a big target like Microsoft is and people are just going to do that. Yeah, but they make themselves a target as well. Sony do. Yeah, they do. They do with with all of the anti piracy and everything that that they weave into pretty much every product that they release. Yeah, it's just painting a big target on their back. And the way they crack down on people like George Hotz and other grey hat hackers is, uh, yeah, draconian. Yes, it is indeed. So which, which, you're saying that's kind of bringing that upon themselves. Yeah, it, it elicits a response from the anarchist element in our society. But you're not saying this is right, though. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is no right or wrong in war. So you're saying Sony are going about their business in the wrong way, but at the same time, the hackers are in the wrong for what they're doing. Absolutely. That, that is it in a nutshell. Neither party are in the right on, the, on this one. Sony could handle it a lot better. All right, well, that's Sony. Apple apparently wins another court ban on Samsung tablets. This time, the Galaxy Tab 10.1 is not going to be available for sale in Australia. Mm. So Apple Ooh, are winning. Yeah, well, you know, it's definitely... Across uh, the board. Yeah. it's, they've, it's they've, a f- they've had wins in, in a number of countries now. Yes, and one of the things that analysts are saying is that some of these little wins, if you like, in individual countries can set a good precedent for bringing a case in another market, say in Europe. They can sort of, you know, they refer back to the case and uh, because obviously a lot of of laws are are very similar, at least for copyright laws across different countries and patent laws. And there's some international conventions as well, don't forget. There are, but I'm I'm not sure how, how influential precedents from a different country are in these sorts of situations. So, Al, you weren't expecting to buy a Samsung Galaxy Tab, were you? No, I already have an iPad, so I don't need an iPad rival. 
And if I was going to buy a, an Android device, it would probably be the Kindle Fire at this point. Oh, that's right. You did say that last time, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. But you've got to admit, though, the Samsung products are really nice. I, I, I love Samsung as a company, as a brand. I've got two Samsung screens in my house, my big TV and, and my uh, monitor for my computer. And I've got other Samsung products as well, hard drives and whatnot. They do good work. They've Yeah, they've just been copying a little bit too well, they much. Should, well, they should get into the photocopier business. <laughs> hey, that reminds me they of... Are. Well, they're, well, they actually are because my... my really? uh, <laughs> that was just yeah. a flippant comment. No, no, no. I've, I've, I've got like an all-in-one multifunction device, which is printer, scanner, fax, copier, which is Samsung. It's oh, yeah, the they do too. They do yeah. too. They, they do. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, there you go. Look, it also reminds me of when Apple released... Oh, what was it? Was it Leopard? I think OS 10 Leopard, perhaps. And they the big campaign outside the Apple Expo, or was it uh, Macworld? I can't, I can't remember. They had these huge banners saying, Redmond, start your photocopiers. I think they, they'd stopped doing Macworld at that point. It was one of their events anyway. Yeah. And well, Macworld that was their- isn't, isn't their event. Macworld was an independent one by the magazine. Yeah, correct. Correct, but, um, but it and, was, and, and they stopped doing. They Apple yeah, stopped. They, they pulled out a lot. Apple. Yeah, they pulled yeah. out of a lot of trade shows. Yeah, for to, some reason. basically because they wanted to do their own event and they wanted to control the message end to end. I think they didn't want to share in any mind share with any other company during their announcement. So they they go, all right, we're having our own thing. In any event, the other part of the story though is that Apple wanted a ruling to ban any future tablet that Samsung brings out, which That's makes me pretty laugh. sweeping and comprehensive, isn't it? Yeah. That is not going to happen. No, it just made me laugh, and I'm still laughing. But I think you can see what they're getting at, because Samsung could just rename the product and then release it again, and it doesn't go against the ruling because it's a different product or change something very slightly. So what they Absolutely. wanted is kind of like first dibs on... On, on the well, the first they wanted to, an all out ban, and then they wanted approval. to approve it, yeah. correct? Have it run past Apple first, and that's not going to happen either, they were told. No, 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 it's, it's going to be a fight every time. I think what Samsung actually needs to do is change the case design, make the, the, the beveled edge different from the, the iPad, and the dimensions and shape of both devices are very similar. Yeah, but look, in, in Samsung's defense. They're no more similar to the iPad than other tablets are. No, I, I, I think they are. I actually do believe that. Other devices, their backs are slightly different or they've got a different shaped edge bezel. And, but it's all about proportion and the proportions of the bezel and the border and, and, and everything for the, the Samsung device and the iPad are very, very similar. So you think the Samsung one is pretty much the most similar one? I do. I do, actually. But, you know, as I think uh, would have been Brett some weeks ago had said, how different can you get? I mean, there's only so much you can do. I mean, a tablet's a tablet, for goodness sake. That's right. And there has to come a point where we just draw a line in the sand and say this bickering has to stop. Because it's very niggly at the moment about what they're arguing over. It's like look and feel concepts rather than implementations is what they're actually arguing about at the moment. And again, that's where the patent system is actually breaking down now. 
All right, I'll grab the stick and I'll draw the line in the sand right here. How's that? Enough, people. <laughs> yeah. We need to break this fight up. We need to get between them and push them apart. Right, break let's the t- cycle of uh, abuse. <laughs> oh, taglines. Don't you love them? Let's talk about Google because just recently in the week gone, there was an email that was leaked, I believe, from Google, and it was an email that implied that Google Plus had had a few issues, if you like. And I want to read you a little extract. This is from Google, from a, a Google staffer. Google Plus is a knee-jerk reaction, a study in short-term thinking predicated on the incorrect notion that Facebook is successful because they built a great product. But that's not why they are successful. Facebook is successful because they built an entire constellation of products by allowing other people to do the work. So Facebook is different for everyone. And so what they're implying in that message is that Google Plus, uh, I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but that Google Plus isn't going to succeed in the same way for the reasons given. I've got no real sort of argument to that. I I love Google Plus. I actually prefer it to Facebook. But the truth is, at the moment, most of my friends are on Facebook. So Facebook is where I communicate with most of them. It's not where I share everything personally. That's on Google Plus. If you want to actually follow what I do, it's on Google Plus. That way anyone can actually follow it. And I don't have to contain myself to 140 characters to do it. I mean, I don't often post but when I do, it's on Google+. Plus. But aside from all that, don't you think it's an embarrassing thing to happen? I do. It is a, a sort of a black eye for Google. Those sorts of sentiments should be aired in-house, not in public. But do you think it will affect Google Plus's reputation, the fact that this has gotten out? No. You don't? Honestly, no. Flash in the pan. I think it itself is a knee-jerk reaction. I guess it's journalists making something out of the story yeah. that really isn't much of a story, is it? Yeah, it's, it's like the TMZ of the tech world. Let's talk about Patrick Webster, who is an Australian. I wanted to get on the show, but he, he wasn't available, unfortunately. So Patrick Webster has discovered that on the First State Super website, a First State Super, I believe, is a, a retirement fund, I yeah, believe, in Australia. It's, it's a superannuation fund, which is a retirement fund in Australia. Right. So he found that the website had a flaw and simply by manipulating the URL, by effectively changing a, an ID equals blah variable in the URL, you could look at pretty much anyone's account details. 770,000 members. So he wrote a script to cycle through uh, sequential ID numbers and download all that information, and suddenly, bingo, he had all 770,000 All right, uh, there's his details. mistake right there. Yeah, yeah. All right, he found a flaw... That's that. That's admirable. He should have notified First State Super rather than siphoning off seven hundred and seventy thousand members' details. Absolutely, you, you're right on the money there. Right. That this, is exactly this is the difference between white hat and black hat hatters. Exactly. And that was that was a black hat. Response. Or would you call that grey? I would call that grey. Nah. He, he's still gone, and he hasn't done anything with it. So, so as far as we know, he's then gone and told them. True. But, but, but right, I take your point. It's, it's certainly not. <laughs> we're going to talk in shades of grey. Yeah. It's it's grey two twenty four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that should be. Yeah, actually, no, that should be the other way around. Uh, grey six six six. Yeah. Yeah, that has a connotation there in its own. Now, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're right on the money. See, what he should have done is maybe done tested it manually for maybe half a dozen or so ID numbers, 
Mm. Just, just, yeah, to prove that, that that's what it yeah, is. So you're not actually exploiting it as such. Oh. Oh, you're testing. You're testing. And as soon as you find that, uh, say, across half a dozen yeah. ID numbers, you then Once tell them. It. You don't Once write a script. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't write a script. Because that you're absolutely right, Al. That yeah, was his mistake. What, yeah, he stepped over the line with the script. Now, of course, he doesn't see the fuss at all. And he's saying, I told them, why am I getting legal threats now? And I guess you can look at this both ways. You can say, well, yeah, he shouldn't get legal threats because he's gone and told them he's done the right thing in the end. On the other hand, he's got all their information. So they've still got to sort of act on the interests of the customers. They want to make sure that he doesn't now do something with all that information. Exactly. I'd like to think that the outcome would have been different had he not run that script. Oh, it it absolutely would have been different. And... Patrick, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm being a bit harsh, but... I'd imagine a lot of people would feel the same way. And it's a shame we hadn't got the opportunity to, to put these questions to Patrick. Yeah, to, well, to have this debate on air. Yeah, but there you go. So that is something that, you know, I learned a similar lesson many years ago when I was fresh out of university. And I did something kind of similar, but it was with a phone system. Yeah. But, you know, I've wisened up since then, and I think what, I'd, I'd done the same mistake. I'd gone too far. I should have just proved the concept and then told them I think we might have a, a problem rather than actually exploiting the the whole. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, from devil's advocate perspective, I mean, the company, regardless of whether even if um, he had of not run the script, they probably would have come after him like this anyway because there's no way they can know. Oh, no, their logs could show whether they... Oh, true. ...whether he'd done that. Uh, yeah. Unless he's wipe, doing some, things like wiping logs, but that's that's a very different... Uh, yeah, that fashion. would, that would require ex- extra hacking. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, th- there's no yeah. side that this Different was, exploit. Exactly. And in that case, he probably wouldn't have needed to say anything <laughs> for that. True, so he would have true. just done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, Long should, you know, yeah, should no, be able to show that. Valid point, valid point. Okay, so let's now talk about pie. Now, the, you know. I tri- like pie. I love pie as well. I like meat pie. I, I like cherry pie. Cherry pie. I haven't had a cherry pie, but I love a cherry pie. What I about used to math- watch Twin Peaks, and that, that just sold me on cherry pie. <laughs> what about mathematical pie? Well, I like that too, I guess. You know, I can do 20 decimal places off the top of my head. That's pretty good. I've already done this on the show once before, so I won't do it again. But I believe you. Yeah, well, it's hard to prove on the show because I could be reading. <laughs> yeah. But, but you have to <laughs> exactly. take my word for it, but I can do 20 decimal places. But I can't do 10 trillion, which is exactly the number of decimal places that has just been calculated and broken the previous world record. Wow. 10 trillion digits. What's That's, the point? <laughs> I, I was about to say that is a pointless record to hold. It is, but it's kind of nice. Yeah. I, I kind of like it from a geeky point of view, but you're right. It's absolutely pointless. In fact, I saw a, a statement that put this into perspective. You only need 39 digits of pi to calculate the circumference of the circle the size of the observable universe with an error no larger than the radius of a hydrogen atom. I mean, you, you know, you, uh, wow. You only need thirty nine, and that's for that. You normally, you probably only need about I don't know eight or nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. if that, if that. I yeah. mean, you know, and and that's to do a a sphere that the the size of the world. 
Yeah, exactly. When you probably never need that. You're yeah. absolutely right. So 10 trillion is obviously completely pointless, but it's just more bit of, of an overkill. Yeah, yeah. No, just a bit. You know, the previous record, by the way, was 5 trillion. Yeah, I mean, so they doubled it, which is impressive. Now, it was the same computer program, same computer itself, same hardware. It was just a longer wait. Crazy. <laughs> I know. I love it, though. It's, it's, it's geeky, awesome, pointlessness. It is. And it, by the way, this was in Japan. And they started this before the earthquake, and they almost had to start again when the earthquake struck. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, kudos to them. I mean, that's persevering through difficult times, and it would be a point of pride for the nation. So, I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from Japan. They, they hold the record now. This is a good thing for them. Oh, totally. Totally. I'd love to actually attempt that record myself, but I know it's not going not gonna to happen. And that is the international section of the Boys of Tech, but don't go away because I've saved up a couple of New Zealand stories to talk about right after this. All right, welcome back. Now, surprisingly, most people in a survey in New Zealand say that internet works better at home than at work. It's a bit of a duh kind of revelation, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I I would have thought workplaces had better internet connections. Well, I would think big workplaces probably do, but how many people actually work in, like, big corporate places? I mean, I would think that the majority of people who are employed are employed in, in small and medium enterprises and their internet might be not as good. It might just be one standard ADSL connection. Yeah, yeah. like servicing 20 people. Yeah, you might be right, actually. I guess, you know, where I work, it's a very large organisation and we do have, actually, no, we don't. We used to have very good internet. It's actually gone right down. And actually, I think I've completely switched sides. I'm on your side right now. And at work, we can't even watch YouTube without it buffering. Now, that, doesn't, ha- that doesn't happen at no. home. No. Or, or very rarely. Well, it doesn't happen to me at home anymore now that I've, I'm on cable. Oh, isn't cable great? It's glorious. Yeah, well, I'm on cable at home as well, and I love cable. And wherever I go, if there's a choice, I will always pick cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if yeah. the street is wired for cable, I will... Now that I've actually experienced what it's like, I had a, a really poor ADSL2 connection before this, and I, I will never go back. Someone needs now. to come come up with a an acronym for ADSL. Like, uh, you remember ISDN? It, it stands for, well, it doesn't really, but, you know, the joke was it stands for it still does nothing. <laughs> uh, someone needs to come up with ADSL as well. A, a fake acronym a for fake ADSL. Acronym, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we could find one if we Google that, I suppose. But We probably could. All right, the other story I want to talk about in New Zealand is that there's a project here underway to take part in the attempt to break the land speed record, which is currently 1,227 kilometres per hour. Wow. Yeah, so apparently there's, uh, there's some resources. So you have like salt flats in New Zealand, do you? Well, I didn't know. That, I, I don't know where they're going to test this. Yeah. Perhaps a 90-mile beach, but a beach wouldn't be safe enough, would it? No, 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 no. The surface needs to be firm. That's why they do it in the salt flats. Yeah. Where, where would um, they test this here? I have no idea. Where That's they, a really good question. Do you even have a desert in? <laughs> no, we've got a road Zealand? called a desert road. You've got you've got a glacier. Yeah, we do. We, we 
<laughs> I don't know where we'd put this thing. I've got no idea. We've got some long, long straight roads in, in yeah. Canterbury. I don't know if that's where it would get tested. Because we've got the Canterbury Plains, which is mm. a huge area that's completely flat for miles yeah. and miles and miles. And you can see it when, you know, when you're flying over, the whole section is, is dead flat and everything else is kind of bumpy. And so the roads, there's long straights there on you know, regular highways that perhaps they could use there, I don't know. Maybe. I would think, though, that that would actually still generate too much friction. And this, of course, they're actually going to be testing this overseas. Now, I haven't got the details uh, with me, but I thought it was kind of cool that New Zealand's in on this. And, and whether, yeah. or not, whether or not we break that record, whether or not it's us who actually get the fastest speed, uh, I, I think it's just great the fact that we're actually taking part. All competition drives you forward. Totally. And on that note, I'm going to close the show. Al, thank you very much for doing episode 139 with me. No problem at all. As always, it has been a good chat. Now, my nose is completely blocked up, so I'm going to head home. I couldn't and- tell. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't tell either. <laughs> I can't actually make my, sound, my nose sound more blocked up than it really is. <laughs> that was kind of pointless. Look, uh, th- thanks very much. I'm going to head home and, and take something for that. And uh, hopefully I'll uh, recover over the course of the week and see you all again next week. For episode 140. Till then, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. He says it's not just about the keywords. There's, there's some other factors in there that help, that will help. Make, sorry, other factors in there that will make. He says there's also some other. Oh, hang on. He says it's not just about keywords, but there's also some other magic in there that will form the page rank for. Hang on. There's also some other magic that. Uh, but there's some other magic in the work. Gee, <laughs> I might give up now. <laughs> All right, and it's not just about the keywords. There's some other magic in the mix that will help make this a bigger than Google. That will help make this a bigger search engine than Google. 